Podcast Network, After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey, guys. Welcome to a little edition of Red Sox Wrap 360, our rudderless weekly discussion of all things Red Sox. How you guys doing? Bobby Demuro, yeah, slumming with us today. How's Just it going, man? Filling in, man. I'm a National League guy, so don't. You are. We start letting you, start letting your pitchers hit. I'll pay attention, but for one week. I can be here. I can join you. Oh, man. I love that. <laughs> I love that when you come slumming AL style. And joining us tonight in the Die Hard chair, Matt Dan. How you doing, Matt? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I'm always slumming AL. Oh, yes. Yeah, AL East. That's where I live. That's it, man. With Die Hards for the Bow Sox. That's why we do this, you know? You just do it because you're a baseball professional. Yeah, that's and, true. And but uh, listen, man. What's it like in the basement? How do you guys feel? Oof. Is it damp down there? Has mom made macaroni and cheese? What she, what I'm not, she not Honestly, not used to it. Being a Red Sox fan, you, you're used to being on a roller coaster. But this season, I think a lot of people had high expectations due to the powerful offense, which has been a little lackluster. Uh, but I kind of saw it, I kind of saw it rolling into the season. The pitching really had very little depth. And we didn't have that guy. And I don't think we had that number two guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was the whole knock on the team going into the season. Is no one has, is the ace, and you know, Buckle has a t-shirts made up like I'm the ace and gave it to everybody and all that stuff. And he was actually pitching. He looked good. He looked good. He looked well, really like he was earning that t-shirt. I mean, he was before he got hurt the other day. His last four starts going into that, he was like four and zero with a point eight seven ERA. So he was starting to pitch like that. The thing with Buckholtz to me is. He's just not that vocal guy, you know? And I want that in my stud number one You want starter. that bravado. I want yeah. that bravado. You don't so need- I'm fine. I don't think the Red Sox are a World Series team with Clay Buckles as an ace. I think they are if he's a number two. You don't think, but- you don't think that a guy with cornrows has enough bravado? Uh, are you getting him confused with uh, Bronson Arroyo? <laughs> so Buckles has, has, has. has done Man. it, too. Oh, boy. I think everybody's kind of got is rocking the... Um, the mullet hawk? Yeah, right they now. are hard. I think uh, Robbie Ross Jr. kind of brought that over from Texas. Yeah. And uh, it's not a good look. No, it's, it's not. not a good, I mean, guys, I'm not listen, one. Guys with really... long hair and beards? Whew, oh. That's terrible. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> no, seriously. That no, close. Listen, here's what I'm interested in about the Red Sox, though, is you guys, the AL East is one of the most... One of the divisions with the most parity, right? The best team is, is I don't know if numbers-wise, there's probably a division that's closer, but the best team and the worst team are not far apart in the Yankees and Red Sox. I don't believe, and I think you guys don't either, that the Red Sox are going to win the division at the end of the year. I don't see them getting hot. But you're in a division that it was kind of up for grabs April 1st. I mean, it's it's better than being in the NL West. I, I, I honestly didn't feel that way. Wow. I, 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 see, I see where you're coming from, but... Uh, but it was the lack of starting pitching that really bothered me entering this season. And I had high expectations for Wade Miley, and then a couple of weeks ago you saw him blow up on a skipper. And it's like something that Red Sox championships championship teams seem to possess, 
even if they weren't the best team on paper, was chemistry. And when you see something like that happen, you know that there's a lack of that. And they're, they're just not a cohesive group right now. I know that Sandoval, Poppy, Hanley, they have their thing going on. Uh, but I just don't see that within your pitchers. And it's, your, your clubhouse is kind of divided like that. You get your offense, you get your pitchers. You need your pitchers to, you need, you need them to, to kind of strut around like the, like the, the rooster in the hen house. And we don't, we don't, we don't have getting back to that ice. We don't have that rooster, and we don't have any chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the pitches are just odd birds, you know. And usually Absolutely. they're kind of a keep to themselves, unless it's their day to go every five, you know. You know, unless you have like a Pedro Martinez who's you know just crazy and just uh, yeah. uplifts everybody. He's not know? walking through the door. No, no. <laughs> he is not. He's not walking through that door. But I've actually been encouraged a little bit lately, and. Um, I was excited to hear in the Fox broadcast the other day, Harold Reynolds said he was down the field, he was in the clubhouse, and he was getting to feel like there was some chemistry developing and that, you know, maybe they're ready to turn this thing around because even though it was a horrible start, you know, lately they have been turning it around. On June 17th, they were 11 games under 500, like more than 10 games out of it. But since then, after today's loss, it's 15-9. and nine. In the last 24. And going into today's game, they were 15-8, and eight, and that was tied with the Angels for the best record in the AL. So they are a little bit turning things around, you know, and it's mostly the young guys, the Betts, the Bogots, the Brockstars, the Killer Bees, if you will, that are at the top of our lineup really setting the table. The problem is, is the Big Boppers, you know, the the Poppies, the Pandas, and the, uh, you know... Uh, Mike Napoli and all yeah. those guys. Oh well, Mike Napoli. Well, that's, a that's a different case <laughs> yeah. on its own. But they'll like hit for three games and then they won't hit for three and then they hit. You know, so it's like we're living a lot of runners on base, not hitting with runners in scoring position. But the the key this year has been the lack of clutch hitting, and that is what's turned around a little bit in the last three weeks. Guys getting some big base hits, but. Mm-hmm. And it, so I understand I had those same reservations with you with the starting pitching coming into the year, but everybody did, and we all thought this exactly. is a team that's going to have to win with the bats. Exactly, exactly. I think I think everybody could step back and look at that roster and say, well, they have the bats, they, or they should on paper. It, on paper, if they if they perform, they have the bats. Nobody said Wade Miley was going to go out there and be a one-two. Even three guy, uh, I think Porcello was the only guy that uh, anybody thought was gonna had the potential, and it's been, to put it lightly, a rough season. I mean, his last start was pretty decent. He, he it does, and I, he definitely benef- benefits from having Hannigan back. You know, having that veteran behind the plate. I mean, I like Swihart. Yeah, I'm good with holding on to him. But as far as calling the game, he's just not there yet. But you got to watch these 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 young players develop, like. Harper out of the gate took years to develop. I'm pretty sure Trout was sent down before he actually kind of popped. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm, I think uh, Posey and Weeders they took some time going to catchers. They took some time developing. People are still waiting. Some people are still waiting for Weeders to perform like a Posey. So you look at Swihart and you're like, oh, nice, we've got this young prospect. It's gonna like the Sox version of a Posey, but that's not for another. Th- Three, four years down the road. And I'm a huge Christian Vasquez fan, too. And it's like, granted, he's out on Tommy John, he's out for the year and all that stuff. But I just love, 
catches that place where you go defense first, you know, and the intangibles opposed to bat, you know, and up the middle. That's what they say. That's why when years ago they ended up getting rid of Iglesias and keeping Bogats, I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Shortstop's the position you want to air on the side of, uh, you know, going with. They said he couldn't hit Iglesias. They said if he hits 250 in the majors, that'll be good. His glove will be good enough. Well, guess what? The dude's hitting like 320s in the All Star game. Sure, you sure. For, I mean, I mean, first time that's happened, and it's just. It's a small sample size of uh, uh, of potent offense he's given you. I mean, yeah. somewhat potent. He's hitting for average. Yeah, but um, even when it was small time with the Sox, he was hitting for average. But I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I I was kind of down on Bogots a little bit last season, but I've come around, and it's a good thing we kept the kid because he's unbelievable. He is, and and he should he should really be our all star selection. Oh God, here we go. Oh, I, I, I I wouldn't I, <laughs> I wouldn't be against it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I um. That being said, uh, Brock has he's the Brock star, right, babe? He is. <laughs> I, mean, I love. Does every team need a representative? Can we end this already? The NBA doesn't do it. Nah, I think you do. I actually would prefer if the NBA did. I really oh. do like every team having at least one representative. I hate. I want to overhaul the whole system. I hate the reps. I hate the fan voting. I hate I the final like vote. The fan I'm voting. done with all that stuff. If you're going to make the game count. If you're going to actually make the game count for the World Series, get the players and the managers and the coaches to put the best players on the field. And if the best players on the field doesn't include a Red Sox or an Astro or a White Sox or a Rocky, too bad. I, I agree with 90% of that. Yeah. I really do. I think uh, I think the Kansas City fans really made us take a look at this in a different light than we ever had to before. But this has happened. This happened in the 50s. The Reds did this in the 50s stuff in ballot boxes. This is not new. They've been doing well, this well, I mean, I mean, we're just talking about the 50s. Yeah, it's for, new to us. But this has been going on. But that's the point. This has been going on for decades. It's been ridiculous for decades like that. I, I know why you do the fan voting because it's a PR game. If sure. you make it a PR game... Don't make it count for home field advantage because it burned the Royals last it year. It did, and if you're gonna make it mean something, I agree. Yeah. you gotta you gotta get the best talent in there. Now that being said, MLB wants the fans to watch, and that might mean taking a representative from each team. Yeah. I, I, I like the representative from each team. You can't do it so much in the NBA because there's too many teams unless you're going to have Rosters 25. Rosters 30 yeah. guys. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> each team true. only gets one yeah. representative, you know, yeah. and then you don't have some really good guys making it. But I think you've got to leave the vote to the fans. This year was, you know, the first time they did it all on the Internet. So, you know, the 70-year-old dude who's got his transistor at the game watching the game who likes to fill out his chat, he can't do that anymore. I love doing that as a kid, man. Me that too. was a great thing. A I point. love that. That's a very it's good It's a point. tradition, you know? Yeah. So I think they bring that back, you know, leave it in the fans' hands. It, You know, it was getting ridiculous for all with Kansas City, but now they got four starters in there, right? Well, I, 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 honestly, I'm kind of glad Casey did it because it kind of woke everybody up because yeah. if this thing is going to mean something, mm-hmm. we got to look at this a little differently. Well, what kills me about this game, too, is the game that was the impetus for doing this mean-something thing. You guys remember, at Miller Park was the tie All-Star game, whatever, 10 years ago or whatever. That was kind of this first snowball into how do we change this. 
you can't tell me those guys weren't playing hard in a tie game after 12 innings in a game that didn't mean anything. Those guys play their ass off. It's pride. It's sure. pride within their, you know, those are their coworkers, so to speak. Yeah. They want to look good in front of themselves, let alone the fans. It's like, I, this game would still mean something to these players. Make it an exhibition. Let the fans vote. That's fine. But then make it an exhibition. Don't make it mean anything. These guys are still going to play hard. That's true. There are no other games going on. They're on a pedestal. This is this is not Dan Ugla in an all-star game in New York City. Everybody else is going to play hard. I I we're all in agreement on that. The game should not count. It's yes. ridiculous. And and I think that's one of the re- you guys know how much I love Brock Holt. I love the guy. He's unbelievable. <laughs> but he, really he was a guy that coming into the season, he wasn't a lock to make the team, you know? And he's just a guy that's really played well this season. And I'm kind of like the guy that you know much like you don't talk about a no-hitter when it's happening. Don't talk about the guy that's playing above his head right now, okay? Leave the spotlight off him. Let him keep producing. But what did we do? N- old Nettie Yost shifted a big old spotlight on the Brock star, an all-star spotlight, and tabbed him for that. And I really think it comes back f- to the fact that it counts. And he wants a guy, he has the versatility he can put anywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm looking at Holt's stats right now. I don't think he's going to regress as much as it sounds like you think he's going to regress. Well, I mean... I, not to interrupt, but yeah, I think... Please interrupt. I think the guy has earned a spot in the field somewhere full-time. He has. I mean, I, I'm with this team going forward and with the versatility of Holt, I want to give everybody a day off once a week. If we're playing seven games a week, nobody should be playing seven games when we have Holt. Get everybody in and out of there, you know? That's true. And uh, speaking of, you know, people playing in the field, uh, David Ortiz played two games at first base this past week. <laughs> the first game he played, the first time since like 06 he's played first base at Fenway. And Guess what? Zero putouts he had yeah. in the game. Zero putouts. Never happened in Red Sox history. Well, almost eighteen thousand games they played in Red Sox history. So he he, no putouts. He effectively DH'd. He effectively. Yeah. He, he, he did have an assist. There was. <laughs> oh, okay. He was part of a three-one putout. But uh, isn't that shocking? That shocks me. I the thing that shocks it. me about that is your pitchers in a nine-inning game aren't throwing any ground balls to get a put out at first base. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And that's how this team was assembled. I know. We, yeah, we, it's it's you know, true. Yeah. It's from day one. Yeah. From day one this season. We brought in Miley and Porcello, these guys up ground ball pitches. We improved our defense by getting Panda, who's you know probably top three in errors for third baseman. Uh, you know, one thing at Bogots, his defense has improved immeasurably, so I'm stoked about that. Petey's going to be solid at second. Mike Napoli can't hit his weight, but he's a pretty good defensive first baseman. And, you know, the circus in left field. And then the other guys, you know, playing good defense. So Let me ask you a question about Mike, Na- mm-hmm. Mike Napoli. At what point do you cut your losses? And say, okay, we can get better people. I can think of some trade candidates. You can get somebody better. Forget this. We just have to DFA him. Because nobody's going to take him in a trade right now. No. Yeah. No. That's the thing. Or if you do, you're going to get a double-A relief pitcher back, and you don't want that. You know, what's the difference? I mean, at this point, I'd probably take <laughs> of, uh, you know, a bag of used fungos. You know, for, for, for Napster. Well, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. The Red Sox are known for having a stacked farm system. And if there's a guy with a sleeping bat in the lineup, it's probably time to start looking at some of the kids. Well, Travis Shaw started the first today, so he's been up, and Napoli's been on the bench like three times this week. So they are. It's turning sitting. in that direction. It is. Yeah. The, the thing that 
Why I don't want to DFA him just yet is because he is a notoriously streaky hitter. Yeah. And when he gets hot, he can carry a ball club. For like he did last last year, he yeah. carried us for like the month of June. Yeah, he had a real nice June yeah. last year. Yeah. And and whenever I get to the point with a lot of and I feel like this is my fault as a fan. Uh, but I remember saying like, ah, Poppy's done. He's done. We gotta cut him loose. We gotta trade him. Somebody'll give us a bag of balls for him. Or, and then all of a sudden, the next year he comes around and he started tearing it loose again. Yeah. Uh, and he's hitting now. I mean, he's pretty much hitting home runs, and that's it. Uh, but at least he's hitting that. Uh, but it makes me stop whenever I get to the point with one of these other guys. And I feel like they're getting. I'm getting at the end of my rope with some of these other players. I am now a little more hesitant, and I back off, and I'm like, maybe patience. It is a virtue. Maybe I should. Maybe I should find a little, dig a little deeper, find a little more. You Especially when you already got burnt on it before. Well, exactly. Then, <laughs> exactly. Listen, I'm, I'm hearing you guys, and I'm thinking about this. You want somebody who can play a little bit of first base now, and then maybe, because Ortiz is not going to play forever, can transition to designated hitter one day. You've done deals with this club already. Look at Willene Rosario with the Rockies. He cannot catch anymore. He's an awful defensive catcher. He's playing first base for them and hasn't been the worst. He can hit the ball. That guy, he's got the pop you would want yeah, in that does. lineup with a right-handed bat, and he's going to do much better than Napoli. Trade for a guy like that, because the Rockies have nothing to lose either. And then two years from now, whatever that time is when David Ortiz actually does need to move on, then you have a designated hitter down the road. I don't think he's a long-term first baseman. Rosario. Rosario. Will Molina you take Rosario. Mike Napoli for him? No. Okay. But, I mean, look, look, the Rockies and Red Sox have done deals before. Franklin Morales went to the Red Sox That's and then back true. to Colorado. This is true. You know, Jonathan Herrera was involved in a deal with that. Yeah. So you got a couple of guys there who maybe get to talk and, and say, the Rockies have to dump Rosario because he's extra for them. And the Red Sox say, you know what, we need a power hitter who's going to hit better than 193. Rosario's going to do 270. Which mm-hmm. would look damn good in the Red Sox lineup right now. Here's the deal. We already have that guy on our roster. His is, name is Hanley Ramirez. Well, but he's an outfielder. That's the difference. Here's uh, the thing. It, is, he, is he, though? Is <laughs> he an outfielder? Have you seen him play? Because that, listen, that listen. defense is porous at best. The second, the second the Red Sox acquired Hanley Ramirez and Sandoval, but he's a different thing. Hanley Ramirez, Why? Oh, uh, so so here's the deal. I disagree with that. Really, I disagree with that because and 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 here's why. It was a this is what kind of turned me around on that. It was a conversation that Hanley had with Puig, and he told Puig, uh, he's like, you need to change your approach in the clubhouse. He's like, I remember I approached baseball the same way you did, kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And I played many years with a lot of my teammates. Even if I had the ability, my teammates hated me. And it really kind of changed my game. And and that told me that Hanley kind of, he learned from the school of hard knocks. And I want a guy like that in my clubhouse. Somebody who maybe in his younger years, and he was a sock, you know. We traded him to the Marlins for that Beckett Lowell deal. Yeah. Uh, and which worked out just fine. Mm-hmm. And I I missed him when he was gone. I was like, oh, I wish we had him. And we have him now, and he is wise. And I like having that guy in my clubhouse. And I think he's the type of player that with 
all of this potential in your farm system and you're calling these kids up, he can kind of set them on the straight and narrow because he's been there. It's like, you know, the preacher is like, do you want to hear from the guy who's never had a drop or do you want to hear from the guy who's tasted the bottle? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he's he's walked on the other side of the line. Hearing that about Hanley Ramirez. Dodgers Shocking. fans, Dodgers Shocking. fans, Marlins fans are rolling over in I know their it. graves I about know this. It. Hanley Ramirez it. gives up on teams at the end of the year. I hate to say it, but it's, look at his I'll track t- record. T- Matt Dan, he's got it's his ear to the grindstone. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I got my ear to that rail and the locomotive's coming and it's saying Hanley. <laughs> it's going to run your head open. That is amazing because I was going to come to Hanley's defense too. Oh. Not because he's a good clubhouse presence though. I, I think but he's changed his I because think he's, changed his, he's changed his tune a little bit I'd say but the dude still is on second base last week or two weeks ago and he doesn't know how many outs there are. You know, so it's not like he's instantly become, you know, Pedroia or Brock Holt, which I would hope the young people go and follow them before Hanley. But Hanley what Hanley does do is he has nineteen bombs. Yeah. And in a league that's kind of getting scarce of power bats that's why the Red Sox went out and got the two best bats that were on the market, you know, in Panda and Hanley. And, you know, Panda's up and down, but I knew that was going to be the case. It's a long season. He's up and down guy. But if there's a prayer and we actually get into October baseball, well, the guy shows up. That's and, why you got the Panda. Exactly. Because of the postseason. Mm-hmm. You need the guy in October. But Hanley's mashing. I mean, there was that time in May where he didn't have an RBI for like three weeks, but that was after he smashed his shoulder into the wall early mm-hmm. in May. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's he's, he's coming some, around. He's been dinged up here and there. He yeah. had that freak accident where he got hit in the hit in the hand, you know, running the bases. And yeah, I thought that was uh, yeah unathletic I, on his part. I, I, should, I, mean, I, I agree. I agree. You know, and Remy's <laughs> saying like, "Oh, I couldn't get out of the way of that one." I was like, "Let's uh, look at." He's a player's commentator. He was in a Sox uniform at one point, too. It's true. But, I mean, the replay is in, like, slow-mo. And I'm giving it, like, the basketball ref count. You know, and I I mean, I I know it's slow motion, but I'm still getting a five. That's got to be, like, a two, you know, in in regular time. And a pro baseball player's got to be able to... You know, do a quick stop and let that fire. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, his eye wasn't on it at all. Oh. It seemed like it was. He was like, looking back. He's like, oh, I'm going to run right into this. <laughs> oh, see, I did it. But so I think there is that certain little bit of Hanley being Manny, you know? So, see, I see a that very that. much. And outside of Schilling, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys liked Manny. He was like the fun guy. And when it comes to chemistry in a clubhouse, it takes a mix. It's really a melting pot. And it's just one of those weird things. And it comes together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which, Poppy. Screams chemistry to me in a clubhouse. He's one of those guys. Any team would love to have that guy in there. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Sox are reluctant to give up on him. It's just like one more year. One more year. Yeah, that and the fact he's probably on the Red Sox Mount Rushmore, you know. I mean, the guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, hell, even the Celtics traded Pierce. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. I mean, if someone's willing to give us the absolute ransom we got for Pearson Garnett, then I'd be willing to do that. But nobody's <laughs> really lining up to, you know, get a guy that's uh, 40. So, but, uh, he, you know, in, he's the thing with Ortiz, and I'll ask you about this, Bobby, being a former player, um, he, he was struggling early in the season, and then he started going to left field. Boom, boom, boom. Using that wall and really going. But... The question is, is he can do that with balls in the air and lifting power, line drives and stuff like that. Why can't he do that with balls on the ground? Why can't he just dink 
shoot it right down where the third base is vacated during the uh, during the shift. It's uh, not the same I ground think, balls. I think the shift. You're seeing so many revolutions in baseball with sabermetrics, with shifting, with all these things. And finally, front offices are catching up to sabermetrics, and they should. Finally. Fans are starting to catch up to it, too, and they should. And the third one is the shift. And finally, one time, one player at some point is going to catch up to the shift. Whether it's David Ortiz or somebody maybe more athletic to lay down a bunt, somebody's going to catch up every single time and say, if you shift on me, I'm going to hit a double down the line every single time. Look at how Ortiz is being pitched, too. Because a lot of these guys, you'll shift on David Ortiz, and then pitchers will throw him away. Because his blue zone is away, in his red zone, you never throw a lefty down and in, right? Mm-hmm. With few exceptions, that's the cardinal sin. So these pitchers throw these guys away, and yet the defense shifts them to pull. So what they're counting on these guys doing is trying to roll over every ball. Right. And these guys are so stubborn, and they have their own agenda at the plate, and they do what they do well, that they keep trying to roll over balls, and they keep hitting into shifts, especially on the ground. If you can go away from the shift, and maybe Ortiz is at a point in his career where he says, you know what, I do what I do, and I'm going to put my best out, and if it hits into the shift, it'll work out for me, and it has. He's not doing horribly this year. But these younger guys, I think, need to learn this and say, if they're going to shift on me, I need to learn to go the other way again and again and again, like somebody like Jay Bruce does in Cincinnati. I need to go the other way again and again and again until it's so ridiculous, you'll stop shifting on me. And then when I have you back in your original position, I get you right where I want you because I go back to my strengths. Right? Absolutely. And now it's, how hard is that for a power hitter to I start think, hitting it down there? I think it's real hard, but it's the old Pete Rose thing. Pete Rose used to say, people say, how are you so good, you know, before we started gambling on baseball? And his thing was, I would take every offseason, make my weaknesses my strengths. Pick my three biggest weaknesses, make them my biggest strengths the next year. So hitters, this winter, learn how to hit the other way. Make it your biggest strength. couple months of that, teams will stop shifting on you. Not every team does it. The Braves don't shift. But teams like the Pirates or the Rockies, who do it like crazy, are going to have to turn around after a couple months of scouting reports and say, wait a second, we face Ortiz next week, we can't shift on him. You know, we can't, we cannot shift on him anymore because he's understood how to go the other way. Yeah. It's, it's a big adjustment. It's not going to happen in a week. But somebody as good as David Ortiz, you think he'd pick it up pretty quickly because he knows how to handle the bat. And these younger guys give him a year to do it and harp on the adjustments and take the hitting coach and take your bench coaches and say, guys, go the other way. Yeah. Hit the ball where it's being pitched. Because I understand you got the power to hit it out. You can go and get a ball in the outside corner and hit it 450 feet. Once a week, and that's great, and that's impressive. But what about the other twenty-five at bats? Right, you got to do something there. Yeah, I hear. I mean, I'm not holding my breath. The poppy's ever going to be able to turn that around. I mean, I, I'm fine with him being a two thirty, two forty hitter now, rather than a two eighty hitter. As long as he can, you know, get the counting stats, and you know, still twenty-five to thirty bombs, close uh, to one hundred ribbies. Look at him. Two thirty-one is on base percentage, three twenty-six. Uh, for a guy who's hitting 230, if you can get on base 33% of the time, you'd love it a little more. In his heyday, he was damn near above 400, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Sure, but, but if you're a 40-year-old guy... Exactly. If you're 40 and you're getting on base 33% of the time, the Red Sox have a lot more problems than David Ortiz. That's very true. That's very true. And it brings us <laughs> right back to starting pitching. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, so how do you, do you guys think, with the deadline coming up, that they should be sellers, buyers? Are they one ace away from, you know, being a World Series contender? They're Is Cole Hamill's going to put them over the top? They're an ace in two years. But that doesn't mean you don't go get the ace right now. No. Johnny Cueto, Cole Hamels, you know, that doesn't mean you don't go get those guys. I can't believe Papelbon's in the mix in the bullpen. But I think the Red Sox need to do things besides the bullpen. You'd never go get Papelbon just because he's available in Philadelphia. The name to me that's really interesting 
is James Shields. The Padres are going to blow this thing up because it, they, they're, they've tanked here at the end before the All-Star break. I expect the Padres to sell a lot of guys, Craig Kimball included, both Uptons included. I don't even, think the Red Sox after, would do Even that. after their, yes. their offseason where they just went crazy. I think they're going to blow it up because A.J. Preller is certifiably insane. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to blow it up. James Shields is rumored to be on the market. But if you're smart, and Preller is smart, you never say never about any player anywhere. If you get the right offer, you get the right offer. And depending on what the Red Sox could offer in the farm system or with, a, you know, Brock Holtz is speculation. But if the Red Sox have a few good infielders, the Padres need a damn infielder or two. And if you can put a Bogarts or a Holt in a deal for somebody like a James Shields, I know it's a lot. But depending on what other players are in that deal. So here's, so, so I'm going to blindside you. <laughs> I'm going to blindside you. If you're looking at making a deal for an arm, and I think the Red Sox are two arms out. And it's at not least. Gonna, it's at least. And it's not going to happen this season. It's not. Uh, although I would love it to, and crazier things have happened, I think they need a, a one-two arm, two ones, uh, even two-two, something. They don't have any of that. Uh, I would look... I would I would trade Petey. I would, uh, and and a lot of people, a lot of people would come down on me for that one. But I would look at Pedroia, uh, maybe packaging Ortiz, and and now you're turning some heads because for a contender, a Pedroia, and who's actually I believe before he got hurt was having his best season to date, uh, uh, definitely with power. Uh, and I think if you package that up with an aging Ortiz, uh, who's still who can still put the bat on the ball, I think you could get yourself uh, at least one, maybe two pitchers, a pitcher and a relief guy. So listen, something to set you up for the next listen, season. Pedro is not a blindside at all, and I'll tell you why. Look at the position he plays. That is not a premium position. You're talking about shortstops. It's hard to find a real good shortstop. The Red Sox may have whiffed on one with Iglesias, and they got another one in Bogarts. Mm-hmm. It's tough to find a good shortstop. It's easy to have a busted shortstop move we'll to second, second base. base. And Pedroia's been you phenomenal, bet. but that's an easy guy to move. And if somebody, <clears throat> Padres, somebody is looking for middle infield offense, and you say, hey, wait a second, that's a real easy move to make. Fan-wise, culture-wise, tough guy to move. Paper-wise, it makes a lot of it sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I know as soon as you start talking about that, the Boston fans are going to start flipping out. But this, this one here, too. Yeah, that's, I, that's, I, 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 saw, I saw you bite your lip. I listen, mean. listen, if you start flipping out about trading Pedroia or Ortiz, in two years you will be where the Philadelphia Phillies are now because they're stuck with Ryan Howard. They're stuck with Chase Utley, and he's having a good year. But they're stuck with these massive contracts with these you know generational players that they had that are Phillies forever. Well, guess what? Where's Nobody wants Ryan Howard now. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody wants these guys. You held Cliff Lee too long. Now you can't trade him because he's injured again. So if you stick with these guys too long, and I know Ortiz, it's tough to move him because he's a you know Mount Rushmore guy. He's a historical guy. But sometimes and Pedro is not far off no, he's from not. that. Yeah. He's not far off from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Petey, and they, like they locked him up to that like seven year, hundred million dollar deal like yep. a few years ago. So he's still got like four or five years on that. I think he is coming back and playing well, and he's had issues with his wrist the past couple years. Oh, he's looked awesome this season. Yeah. And, I, and I think for the duration of his contract, the guy's going to be a good player. What is a contract exactly? 
Is it seven for one hundred? I think it was seven for one ten. But see, Mike, that's why I think he has value. And I think if you throw an Ortiz on that, well, now you're talking about an ace. Well, well, here's the thing. It's like the teams that are going to want to add guys like that are going to think like they're that one guy away from going. And so they aren't going to be in the market to be losing aces. So if you want to get them and speculate on some young guys to get rid of that and just break it down and have a suck for a few years... I, I'm kind of with that. I mean, I think we can kind of make that happen with other guys and still live Peter for the rebuild and let kind of Poppy go off into the sunset. The thing with Poppy is, like, they didn't have to do the Howard thing where they signed him to, like, five years of $125 million deal. Mm-hmm. They've been giving him, like, one-year deals. Yeah. And I think that finally they caved in and gave him, like, a one with an option to a two. But... And that's the markets let that happen. So that's fine. They've never really had to get behind the eight ball on that. And the guy's still kind of producing. You know? Sure. Well, no, sure. But Pedroia and Poppy are different, too, because Pedroia has so many good years left ahead of him, you would think. Poppy, to me, Pedroia's packaged in a deal to a team like the Padres. And not just them. I know we keep talking about that. Yeah. But to a team that can kind of that's decent and can kind of build with him for the next four, five, six years. Poppy's a rental. Poppy's a guy that a team like, you know, name name your club, the Minnesota Twins or somebody, says, yeah, hey, yeah. we're a player Ooh, to a like We need, you know, they talk about, look at their lineup, absolutely. But you look at the team like the Twins and says, hey, we're in the hunt. We didn't expect to be. We're a game off the wild card. We just need one guy. And we need one guy for three months. And come November, nice knowing you again, David Ortiz. Thank you for your service. Whereas Pedroia is the guy where the Padres or whomever package and say, hey, we need this guy for four years, for five years. Who who else can we build? This is one of those things. For Poppy, I don't think you would get an ace. You'd probably get prospects. Agreed. For David or, or, or excuse me, for Poppy, you won't get an ace. For Pedroia, you can definitely get something more significant because yes. that team, like the Padres, is further off. Yep. So they can say, we got a lot of pitching. We need an infielder. We'll give you good pitching. I, I, don't, I don't think it's out of the question at all to see a Cole Hamels Pedroia deal go down. Well, as long as the Phillies do something with Chase Utley, yeah, yeah, exactly, and yeah. and let's let, he's part of their Rushmore, yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean. So it's that's a tough move too, yeah. So, uh, but I for some reason I don't know why I see Cole Hamels in a Red Sox uniform. I think it could work. Um, it's gonna take a. It's a gonna take. A all, it's, not, uh, it's not, Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think the Red Sox have the depth in their farm system to do it. I think they need to. And we're gonna see. They just called up this kid. Is it Brian Johnson? Yeah. Uh, and I've heard whispers of he's a Mark Burley type, uh, strong pitcher, but more of a back rotation. Uh, which hey, you need those guys. Uh, We'll see. We'll he, see. He, I think he, he's going to start out in the pen uh, right out of, right after the All Star break, and then right and before then, the All Star right, break. Yeah, yes, yes, and then and then and then we're going to see him start. See him for Buckholz. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Mark Burley because the one impediment for the Red Sox or anybody else when you're looking at pitchers is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are a pitcher away from being very, very good. I absolutely and that team could not agree more. is gonna go for a Cole Hamels or a Johnny Cueto or Cueto. both. Yep. You know, or and, a Raldis Chapman if he's available. And they should and I'll tell yep. you what I'll tell you what, they are going to get it right because that R. A. Dickey deal bit them, and if they could take uh Syndergaard back, they would do it in yep. a heartbeat because that kid is lights out. Oh yeah. 
And that's exactly why I don't want to get rid of the Eduardo Rodriguez's of the world and the Brian Johnson's of the world and the Harry Owens of the world for a Cole Hamels, who's making that NL to AL switch, I, yeah. which scares me. Hey, and it's the I'm same deal with Cueto, too. Like, the, the pitchers that are on the market just happen to be NL guys this yep. year. Hey, well, yeah. Cueto is also a rental. He's up at the end of the year, so yeah. he could bounce. He could go back to the NL. So yeah. he's a rental. Hamels is a guy that's under contract for another, another four three years, yeah. so it makes sense. But he's going to take a, a mighty ransom. That's going to take Brian Johnson. Johnson, Henry Owens, Manuel Margot, yeah. maybe, uh, well, they say Swihart. Everybody and wants Betts a piece is of untouchable. Yeah. And Bogarts is never going on anywhere. He's, he's an and untouchable Castillo, guy. I, I never know, say I never, man. Going on with that. Castillo doesn't have any trade value. He doesn't have any trade Because he's garbage. Uh, uh, right now. Uh, <laughs> and he's a lot of money. Right now, a lot. lot so, <laughs> but he a be. lot of money, garbage right now, huge potential, high ceiling. Huge potential. So so isn't Yamakata, who's also a second baseman. So a lot maybe of money, Petey, two years from now, we deal him. A lot of money garbage right now sounds like a future Philadelphia Philly, doesn't it? <laughs> or, a ba- or a great band name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, the only thing going in your favor with the Phillies is you've got a GM there. I hate to blow him up. We did it on the Dodgers show, too. Ruben Amaro Jr. has no idea what he's doing. In yeah. any way. So, and there's a few GMs like that you feel like you can take advantage of, and it's rare, and obviously you never know how these players turned out, but that's one guy who, if you think somebody's going to get fleeced by July 31st with all the guys they got to trade, it's the Phillies. Let's yeah. be honest. I couldn't agree. Oh, my couldn't goodness. Agree you know who I would love the Red Sox to add? And you guys are going to laugh at me this. And be buyers and make a run. Our oldest Chapman. And if sh- he's available. That's if the he's available. Uh, I, I absolutely think he's available. And I have heard whispering of him going to Nationals as a setup guy. And that makes no sense because the Nationals have so many more things to address other than a setup man. And they've got the Nationals have a wonderful pitching staff. That's the one thing they do oh, really my, well. It lights yeah. out. Yeah. I'd say probably the best in all of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Well... The All-Star Games this week, that's going to be great. Home Run Derby, kind of excited for the new format. Maybe it'll uh, keep it under three hours, that marathon. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got the Sox in Anaheim for four-game set next weekend. So, Ooh. And next week we'll talk more about getting into some trades talk because the, the gonna be deadline gets zero. So good, do your homework. Good we'll luck in it. Anaheim for yeah. four games coming fresh off an All-Star break. I know. Yeah. I feel, good luck. I feel like we're running into a buzz because they – I mean, Cole Calhoun is just – looking lights out right now. Trout hit stride. He's, what, like a two home runs in, in, in what was it, a, four home runs in a four-game yeah. span? It was yeah, Pujols Pou- 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 turned it on. Star, yeah. Hector Santiago was supposed ALMVP to be nothing. Hector Santiago's through. an AL All-Star now. Yeah. Look out. Mm-hmm. They're playing good baseball right now, no question But they don't it. have the pitching really either. So. No, but you should have caught this team two months ago when they didn't score runs. You catch them now, they're going to be tough. Hopefully the uh, break slows them down a little bit. Yeah. Bobby, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. Nice. How about you, Matt, Dan? Uh, it's at beast for sale Nice. Uh, and you can also, I've got a couple of comedy shows coming up. Yeah. Uh, catch me at the Neon Venus this Friday night. It's a 9-15 show. I'm doing the Saturday night as well, and then the following week. Kill cool, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on Red Sox Rap 360. We'll see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 